Good morning, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. What are you trying to tell me? That it's September 23rd. Oh, oops. September, September 23rd, 2021. Today is Thursday in Colorado. It's a beautiful day, and it's the first full day of fall. Yesterday was the uh, uh, equinox, and um, today is the first full day, full day of uh, fall, and here we go. And uh, I, we're going to do some more uh, uh, quotes. I fixed it. It's September 23rd, 2021, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado. And we're finishing off the top 100 quotes of all time. Now, I would not really call these the top 100 quotes of all time. No, me neither. They're just 100 quotes that they chose. Would you say that's a more accurate description of what they are? Well, you could say top, just 100 they chose. That's just a selected 100 of a lot more. Yes. And I would also say the way that they chose to display them on the page is a little wonky as well. (laughs) I thought so, too. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, but anyway, uh, the quotes are fun to talk about uh, mm-hmm. because one good thing about these quotes are the quotes because it you know it's good to talk about, but also uh, the authors and the sources of all these quotes is very interesting. So many people have so many things to say, mm-hmm. and you know when I look at this, I'm thinking, yeah, uh, look at all these different. Some of these people don't know, uh, and uh, they go, oh, I didn't know them. Oh yeah, I should have, but uh, yeah, they. Uh, the people should keep on talking. Yeah. <laughs> because you're going to say something that someone else wants to hear. So you should keep on talking and keep on listening. Yeah. I, I will say a lot of these, they favor optimism and they don't favor pessimism. I think that's what people, they want to believe. Even though there's a whole world of pessimism out there that's completely relevant, that just doesn't make the top 100. Um, you know, Norm MacDonald passed away last week. Mm-hmm. And... He's got a uh, quote from when he was talking about cancer. And he already had cancer when he said this quote. But he's talking about he saw a woman that did a one-woman show. And she talked about how her mom had cancer and she has cancer. And she call, he called it the height of narcissism because he said everybody gets cancer and dies. And that's what happened to him. And it's, it's fascinating when you look at that quote. People don't want to pull that quote out and say it. But there is some truth to that. It happens to a lot of people. And it's not really brave by sharing your story. By sharing your story, you are just trying to get sympathy, right? I mean, so he did have a point, but that's not really a quote that's going to make the 100 greatest quotes list. You're not going to see the 100 greatest quotes of all time. Everyone gets cancer and dies, Norm MacDonald. Um, (laughs) And yet there is some truth to that. There's some wisdom to that. Well, I've been listening a lot of Norm Macdonald's uh, 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 stories. A great interviewer. I mean, it's just fun to listen to him, even when he has nothing to say. He is a, he has a gift of gab. But the impression I get from Norm Macdonald is that he was just a realist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a comic. He would say funny things. He would say off-color things. and uh, But he was a realist. He called it the way he saw it and he didn't pull any punches and uh so a lot of the sayings as you say are more optimistic and not pessimistic uh they're 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 saying things the way they see it on the rosy side of the spectrum (laughs) and uh that's just less than half of what's going on in the world that's a lot of times uh, 
I know you have a saying. There's a saying on uh, that I've heard. You know, uh, if you complain, you'll live longer, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny that you says go ahead and complain. All right, you know, some people need to complain, but some people don't need to complain. And I think that uh, it really uh, leaves it up to the individual. Mm-hmm. And so these sayings appeal to the people who like to hear uh, the rosy side of the spectrum. They, they need and, a little bit of inspiration. They need a positive affirmation. There's not as many quotes that deal with negative affirmations. I think of the Stoic philosophers, and they have a quote that they say to themselves all the time. And it's in Latin. It's memento mori. Do you know what that means? No. Uh, uh, remember the evil or something like that? Remember that you're going to die. Oh. So when you wake up every day, this may be your last day. Remember that you will not be here forever. So what you do today is important. What you do tomorrow is important because you will eventually not be here. So every day you go and you work your butt off and you try to achieve as much as you can because you're going to die. Now, that's similar to some of these quotes, but far more pessimistic. <laughs> They they wake up every day and they say they say to themselves, "Remember that you're going to die." Yeah, uh, the remember part is could be considered pessimistic, but the "you're going to die" is realistic. Mm-hmm. That's true. We are all going to die. Uh, no one lives forever, uh, but people want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. People want to live as if they are going to live forever, and don't even think about that. Uh, and I think that. It's not, to me, it's not positive or negative. It's just being realistic. Yeah. and bef- Yeah, yeah, you're and I. Before we jump into it, I will say about four or five years ago, five years ago, Chainsmokers, they're a band. They had this song, went to number one on the charts. I forget exactly what it was called. But the chorus was, you know, baby, hold me closer in the backseat of your rover. And then the end of the chorus is, we ain't never getting older. We ain't never getting older. It's sort of like this idea that you're going to be young and attractive and in the prime of your life forever. And that's wish fulfillment. But when the chain smokers do it, um, it becomes the number one hit. One of my favorite rock and roll artists, Andrew W.K., he's got a song called We Ain't Gonna Get Old. And it's just so silly that you say, yeah, it's just silly. So when he does it, it's silly. When the chain smokers do it, it's like, yeah, I, I really identify with that. It's fascinating, don't you think? <laughs> We're not yeah. going to get old. But the thing is, we are all going to get old. So let's jump into our quotes. <laughs> okay? Okay. Do you want to go first? Are we doing number 25? 25. That Theodore Roosevelt said. Theodore Roosevelt said, believe you can. And you're halfway there. See? That's positive. Yep. Uh, so positive by Theodore Roosevelt. Believe you can, and then you're halfway there. What do you think of that? I think I think it's short. Mm-hmm. It's short, and uh, well, the uh, it doesn't mean you're there. It means if you don't believe you can, then you're not really going to go anywhere. It's kind of like you, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Yeah, and you know what? There's a lot of quotes on this list like that. It's basically like the hardest part is getting started. Like there's quotes to that effect where it's like. You'll never, you, you, you'll never reach the end if you don't start. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. You know, if you think, oh, that's so good. But then you think about it and says, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Your keys are your keys are always in the last place you look. David Harper, twenty twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why would you keep looking? <laughs> you know, it's not. It's you know, it sounds. Oh, oh. I guess the humor is. Oh, that's so. Oh well, yeah. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's logical. It, the opposite. Is ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, like on YouTube, I watch tips. I, this is funny. Like last last week, it was uh, all TV shows. Every quote reminded me of a TV show. TV show. But on YouTube, I watch like tips, and some of them are so obvious. It's like, <laughs> how do you get better at guitar? It's like carve out a time to play guitar. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But that's the interesting thing. I think that people don't want to hear is that's why I have a hard time like teaching guitar on YouTube is the number one way to get better is to practice. And people want to see some technique or be shown something that's going to sort of jumpstart their ability to get better. But really, it's it's hours in the game. It's the time you put in. The time you put in is commensurate with the skill that you get out of it. And people don't want to hear that. They want shortcuts. They don't want, they don't want someone to tell them, here's one surefire way to get better. Practice four hours a day. They'll say, no, no, you need to give me some sort of tip. Um, shall we move on? Yep. Democritus said, happiness resides not in possessions and not in gold. Happiness dwells in the soul. Okay. You know, I like I like that. I like that. that that's well, way to be, demo guy. Uh, <laughs> Democritus. Do we know yeah, who I Democritus like is? I would say he's a Greek uh, philosopher. I think that's a good guess. Let's see. We're gonna look it up. And uh, but I that you know I think that's so true that uh, and people a lot of times feel like if I can if I can uh, get more things and make more money I'll be happy and it turns out uh, they're not. You are absolutely correct. Democritus is a Greek philosopher, an old one, pre-Socrates. Pre-Socrates, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the people are simple and they have a hard time contextualizing life. But within a society, one of the few things that's enumerated is your possessions. You know, how many cows do you have? What is your income in terms of the currency of your nation? Uh, How many properties do you own? How many acres is that property? And so they equate success with maximizing that number when really that number is trivial. You know, the success of your life, are you 10 times more successful if you own 1,000 acres of land than if you own 100 acres of land? Or are you 10 times more happier? Are you 10 times happier? Yeah. No, you're not. You're not. And sometimes it it goes the other way. I think sometimes these things uh, are, are taken in a positive way, because uh, if you don't have possessions, if you don't have money and you're hurting and it disrupts your life, then you think, oh, if I could just have this, I'll be happy. And then once they achieve that, they realize, no, I'm not unhappy because I don't have possessions or money. I'm unhappy because I don't enjoy what I have. Mm hmm. Because yeah, a lot of times people do have a lot of things to be thankful for. Yeah. And, I mean, this is a bad example, but I like to just draw on examples from life. On Monday, you taught late. So I went to this 
Japanese place that was horrible. I think I brought this up on Monday too. Um, wait, on Tuesday also. It was horrible and it was expensive. It was very expensive for a fast casual place. It was over fifteen dollars a person for your entree for wow. a for a Chipotle like place. And I hated every aspect of it. I hated the ordering process. I hated, um, I don't know. And then I got the food, and the food was lackluster for the price you pay. And it was in contrast to the next night, we had tacos that I made myself. Oh, and those the ta- are great. The tacos were a fraction of the price, um, more food, and it was fresher and more delicious. Now, are you going to say that the sushi restaurant was better just because it was twice as expensive? No, it wasn't. You know, I think that there's, and there's a, a sense of satisfaction to making your own food as well. But, uh, so it's not like the dollar value you put on something is its value. The dollar value you put on something is just what someone will pay for it. You know, if I put up a little cardboard shack on the side of the road and tried to sell my tacos, people would not pay as much as that fancy fast casual sushi restaurant for them. But that doesn't mean that they're not as good. So or moving better. Yeah, moving on. Number 23. It's your turn, I believe. Okay. Uh, William Arthur Ward. The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. The realist adjusts the sails. I like that. Yeah, I did too. I, I didn't know who the William Arthur Ward was. I looked him up, and he's an author. And he has a bunch of sayings like this. It's kind of like Mark Twain or... Or Will Rogers, he had all these different things, you know. Hmm. And uh, yeah, and so this is one of them that one of the more one of his more popular ones. And that yeah, that's that's correct. I mean, uh, he uh, he died he actually born in twenty one and died in ninety four. Uh, and um, he he has one about teaching. Is the mediocre the mediocre the mediocre teacher set tells. The good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, the great teacher inspires. Hmm. And I, I'm a teacher, and I agree with that. I says the most important thing you can you can impart to your students is a is a, a love of learning, and uh, teach them how to learn, and and teach them to love to learn so that they keep learning the rest of their lives. It's not it's not the material; it's about the people. Anyway. Uh, that's a good one about the, the pessimist and the optimist and the realist. And I think a lot of people who are, are realist, uh, they adjust the sales and keep moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, the pessimist, a lot of times, will get a lot of traction, uh, a lot of attention to themselves, uh, like with conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Uh, the optimist uh, will get a, a lot of traction with their sayings and their quotes and their quips. Uh, and the realist, then get out there and make things happen. Yeah. I had a friend that, that was a big pessimist. And uh, I was talking to one of his in-laws. And he was funny because we all, I mean, we all knew he was a pessimist. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if I should say his name. Steve. His name was Steve. He's like, Steve's the type of guy to stand in the middle of a beautiful field green field on a beautiful day and cuss out the sun for being too bright. <laughs> That's what he said. I always thought that was kind of poetic. <laughs> but there are people like that. He was sure. like that. Yeah, everything was a problem. Everything was a hassle. Everything was chapping his hide. Nothing was ever good. And um, 
That's pessimism for you. That's just one part of this William Arthur Award quote. Uh, We'll move on. We'll move on to Eleanor Roosevelt. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, well, first of all, that's that's a, a appealing and daring because you have, fut- you have the word future, mm-hmm. you have the word beauty, you have the word dreams, and you have the word believe. And so you have all these, all these feel-good words in there. You know, in other words, you got you can mix those words up, and they'll still be a have a have an awe element to them. Yeah, beauty belongs to those who dream. Who of believe the, in their dreams. Who beauty belongs to those who dream of the beauty of their future. Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you know it's true. I mm-hmm. mean, no, I'm not dishing Eleanor Roosevelt. It's it's true. Yeah, you. Uh, when you have a dream, you believe in it. Uh, don't, and you'll do something about it. You, if you're a realist, yeah, you can sit there and be optimist and, and say, "I got this dream." I got, but if you don't believe in it, you never do anything. It, all it is is just a pipe dream. Yeah, it's not something you do something about. So do something about it. But not that's. I mean, I wouldn't rank that the 22 most poignant thing ever said. Although. <laughs> That's not what this list is about. I mean, it's not about critiquing where they put stuff or what's said. It's just sort of going through and having food for thought for the morning. So That's moving right. on to 21, our buddy Theodore Geisel. No, Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss is Theodore Geisel. I didn't know that. Thank you, David. <laughs> Theodore. Oh, I didn't know. I did not know that. I'd never, I don't think I've ever heard that. Theodore. Theodore Geisel. Let's say it a couple more times. And that's who Dr. <laughs> Seuss is. What did he say, David? He says, Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Well, I wouldn't put that in the top 21, but it's a good <laughs> saying. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, it's, t- it's saying it says you are you. Well, yeah, who else am I? Yeah, uh, don't don't be something you're not. But then putting it, saying it four times with uh, a rhyme. Yeah, rhyming Maybe you, that, that, that's rhyming you with you, it. rhyming true with true, and then rhyming you with you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, between Eleanor Roosevelt's conceive, believe, achieve, and Dr. Seuss's you you are true true you you. Man, this end of the list is really slowing down a little bit. <laughs> you tell him, David. <laughs> well, since you're the teacher, I think you should read the next one. Nelson Mandela, education. Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Oh, wow. I, I Yeah, I believe that. I mean, I think so. Nelson I, Mandela, I think it's true. I think what we're seeing, though, is miseducation can change the world as well. You know, yeah. Yeah, educate someone. Do your research. Do your research on what is the proper way to handle a global health pandemic. And some people will say the proper way is to listen to whatever source is not the individuals who have spent their life studying this. To someone that said, oh, I heard this helps, you know, and that they're being educated. I think a lot of times people that believe in uh, conspiracy theories have more information than people that are just like, oh, I'm trusting the doctors in the white lab coats who have spent their whole life studying this. You know, well, t- uh, no, David, I, I, I don't see education as that. That's not yeah. how I see education. Education is not knowledge. 
education is is being being educated is being able to to fact check it, mm-hmm. to analyze it, to question. Say, is that true? Why is that true? Uh, what are the facts? And what's the what's the line of reasoning? What's the uh, who's saying what? And uh, education is knowing how to receive information and 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 vet it to where uh, do you know how to do that? Education is not just I know this mm-hmm. is true. No, you don't. Uh, education is really learning how to learn the truth. I think of when we do because we do a lot of sort of critical thinking, just sort of questioning sources. And yet, I think of when we do foreign affairs articles, especially that last issue about China, and the author is Chinese, they're from Tsinghua University or Beijing University or somewhere, and we say, you have to take what they're saying with a caveat, because they're not allowed to criticize the Chinese Communist Party. And yet, we say, we understand that, but that doesn't invalidate their scholarship. Some of the things that they're putting forward, the ideas, what they see in the international sphere, don't become completely invalidated because they're coming from a system that's not like ours. Because we would say their system is not free. They're not free to discuss whatever they want. Ours is. But really, on some level, ours is not free either. I mean, Because we, we're bound by our system as well. Yes, there's constraints. We just don't see no. ours as restrictive. And right. so, well, so we... Are- tr- it, we're influenced by our by our system. So we try to discuss, uh, we try to discuss these issues and say some people will invalidate any point of view of a Chinese scholar because of their system. We're trying to say their point of view is valid, with the caveat that there are things they're not allowed to say. And I think that's sort of what you're talking about. Education is critically thinking about things, sort of taking the information in, understanding the perspective of the information, but not completely invalidating the information because it defies your viewpoint or something. Right. As, As a matter of fact, talking about exactly about that, I, I'd even go out on a limb and uh, uh, on saying that it could be uh, one way of looking at what the, the Chinese scholars talk about an issue and, let's uh, say, the American scholars talk about an issue, uh, that they're coming from two different positions. Well, what they're saying, uh, are ed- they're educated in that, in that there are good logical reasons to say what they said within the system they're in. Mm-hmm. And it may be very valid within their system. And you could say, oh, they are influenced by their system or they're directed. They have to say that because they're in their system. But then again, what they're saying might work well within their system. And so it's not like they're forced to say that. If we were if we were where they were, we'd look at the system we're in and say, this is how it works. And so if they were in our system, they would say, this is how it works, because we're in two different systems. Yes. Now, the question is, the challenge is, how do these two systems work together? Mm-hmm. And there's where... Uh, education comes in to where how do you do that and how do you how do you resolve uh working when you have two different points of view and uh you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna do that with a war no you're not gonna do that with with different kinds of wars whether physical wars or economic wars or political wars or or anyway you're not gonna do that with those kinds of wars you're gonna do it with education let, let, wait a minute, let's stop and think about this and understand each other and then find common ground and then we move forward to where I don't violate what you believe, you don't violate what I believe, but together we can move forward uh, uh, 
uh, in unison uh, or in parallelism. Uh, maybe I'm not saying it right, but uh, I think it's too much. You have you have to believe what I believe, and you have to think how I think. And I think that's 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 uh, that's uneducated. That's narcissistic, mm-hmm. <laughs> as Norm would Norm McDonald would say. Anyway, yeah, I guess I got, I guess I went off on a tangent, David. Yeah, I mean, but I do think education is a powerful weapon to change the world because. If you do educate individuals and sort of give them the power to sort of think critically about things, not just give them the information that you want them to have, in theory, you know, the world will change for the better. Well, I, I believe in theory it has. And also, uh, uh, when you educate, if you if you want to control someone, if you want to control a nation, take away their education, you tell them what to believe. Mm-hmm. Also, the problems we have with misinformation... Um, this is a little bit prejudicial on my part because I am educated, but, uh, I think if you did a, a bar chart, stacked bar chart or something of people that are susceptible to misinformation and level of education, I think there would definitely be a correlation between the, the less education you have, the more susceptible you are to misinformation. Do you think that would be Mm -hmm. true? Yes. That would be, that would be my hypothesis if. Well, I think there's a higher correlation to people who are uh, less educated uh, to uh, be more militant about it. Uh, you have people who are educated uh, that would uh, follow those those uh, uh, incorrect premises. So, so, like, yeah, people that are educated will, but uh, yeah, like militancy. It's um, I see these people go to these school board meetings and scream at the people for trying to make their kids wear masks. And it doesn't seem like it's that important to me. And it also like, you know, I, even when the vac- vaccinated could not wear a mask, I just kept wearing the mask because I knew that COVID was rampant within the community. So I would wear the mask. And when it came time to get vaccinated, it wasn't really, there was no hesitancy. It's like, oh, this is a way out. And it's weird for some people, this becomes the defining issue of the day for them. And it's literally like, this is the hill that they are literally willing to die on, not believing in science. And it's, 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 it's fascinating to me. And I think that people have a hard time understanding it, but I don't know why you could gin it up to such a big, big problem in your mind, you know, wearing a mask or getting vaccinated, something like that. And I, I have a hard because for me it was never really that that big of an issue. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's, it's, it's remarkable. And that's I what, think it's not about the mask. I th- I think it's not about the mask. I think it's about that they they uh, they jumped on the bandwagon to be militant about an idea that has very little meaning mm-hmm. uh, to value. As a matter of fact, it raises ire by saying, I'm not going to wear a mask because you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you don't wear a mask, well, then you're susceptible to a disease. The people around you are susceptible to a disease. You you can be a spreader of the disease. And you can and people are dying. Thousands yeah. of people are dying because of that. And so, oh, here's something I can be defined about and get a lot of attention. And so I think I think that, that it's not about the mask. It's about the attention that they get. Because they're 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 anyway we're going we're going off, going off on a tangent. We are, but I will say if we go back, hold on. Um, <laughs> okay. To Democritus, 
Happiness resides not in possessions, not in gold. Happiness dwells in the soul. If we look, you know, possessions and gold have been the de facto currency of of society. Possessions, gold. That's sort of like possessions, money. Well, online, in a digital environment, which is where everyone migrated to when we had a pandemic, we could still connect with each other digitally. What is the currency? The currency is attention. You put out a video, you put out a post. What do you get paid in? You don't get paid in dollars. You get paid in likes, subscriptions, views. Now, if you say something off the rails and some democratic pundit picks it up and starts criticizing you, well, his audience will see your original video. And so your 10,000 views becomes 100,000 views. Let's say another pundit picks that up. Before you know it, you have a video with a million views. You say, when I was saying reasonable things, 1,000 people were watching me. When I started saying unreasonable things, one million people started watching me. And even though all that glitters is not gold, even though happiness does not reside in possessions, uh, happiness dwells in the soul, sometimes you're saying, I'm getting paid off more for bad views than for good views. So that is what I'll pursue. Yep. Uh, It's like the shiny object. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're gonna go after the gold because it shines. Uh, you know, you're going to go after it because it's it's a shiny object and you're not looking within your soul on what real happiness is. Mm-hmm. And it's not that satisfying after a while. You just it's it's happy in the short term. I mean, you're 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 fulfilled in the short term because of attention. Mm-hmm. But it's not a it's not a long term uh, uh, endeavor at all. Yeah. So we've done six. We've done five in 30 minutes. <laughs> So can we do 20 in 30 minutes? Yeah, well, this is a good one because it, uh, what Nelson Ben, and also it's a weapon. Uh And notice he says education is the most powerful weapon. Weapon, yeah. And so it's not like the educated and you're there. No, the education will do things. It will make things happen. It's a weapon uh, to change the world. And so if you want to change the world, start educating people. Mm Mm-hmm. And and uh, that's kind of what we saw with the internet. They're educating them in different directions. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we have what? Nineteen more to go. Nineteen more. Norman Vincent Peale. Change your thoughts, and you change the world. False. <laughs> I don't believe that. Well, maybe. Yeah. That's. I oh, you, and you that. change your world. You don't change the world. Your world. Your yes. view of the world. Okay. That's that's much more. That's much more true than change the world. Your world. You're, you're not changing the world. You're changing your world. It's like in Hamlet, I believe that he says, there is no good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Um, I do think that a lot of what you think about things determine your worldview. So, yes, mm-hmm. Norman Vince Peale is right. I thought he was false because I thought it said change the world. <laughs> That's right. It's not your world. You can make up your world. You can make – and people, people do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And th- that's not always good you know, anyway. <laughs> no. Moving on. Robert Frost, in three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about life. It goes on. It does until you die. But then, I mean, but then life as a whole, the, the, the royal we continue living, even when each individual one of us is dead. Your memory goes on. Your influence goes on. Mm-hmm. And um, the, your life is remembered and also your influences that you of your life and the people that you love uh, and that love you, they go on and it just keeps on going. Anyway, that's that's number 18. Number 17. Love isn't something you find. Love is something that finds you. Oh, Loretta Young. 
uh, Loretta Young and uh, what Fathers Knows Best. Is that what she was in? Oh, I don't know. I was before my time. Okay. I think it's Loretta Young and Father's, Father Knows Best. It was a TV show. Going back to TV shows. Uh-huh. Because that, that was a long time ago. That reminds me of that Daniel Johnson song. Have you ever heard it? Maybe. True Love Will Find You in the End. Oh, okay. Have you ever heard it? Should yeah. I play it? Uh, Oof. Oof. Oh, hold on. I got a guitar here. We're going to do a musical number on today's <laughs> show. Um, it goes like this. Can't see ya. Okay. True love will find you in the end. You'll find out who really is your friend. Don't feel bad, I know you will. But don't give up until True love will find you in the end This is a promise with a catch Only if you're looking will it find you Cause true love is looking too recognize you unless you step out into the light the light the light don't feel bad I know you will but don't give up until true love will find you in the end that was, Yay, a song. David. <laughs> that was good I like that I really like that that was good, David. That's uh, like Loretta Young said, love isn't something you find. Love something that finds you. But there's a catch. Only if you're looking will it find you. Okay, Albert Camus. Blessed are the hearts that can bend. They shall never be broken. First of all, who is Albert Camus? He was an existential writer. He wrote The Plague. Camus. <laughs> Um, he's basically, oh, oops, I don't have the right thing up. He's basically saying, uh, find you a woman who will forgive you no matter what horrible things you do. <laughs> right? Is that what he's saying? Is that, is that what he's saying? I'm not uh, really sure what that, I'm not really sure what that means. Someone that'll forgive you. You know, if someone's heartbroken, I they guess, may not forgive yeah, you. I guess be flexible, you know, be forgive, forgive. I guess that's what he's saying. Yeah. You know, yeah, if you love someone, you'll forgive them and move on. And is the love more important than, than, uh, the pride? Yeah, than, than your pride. Moving okay. on. Do all things with love. Og Mandino. I don't know who Og Mandino is either. Yep. Also, do all, do all things with love. Like, should you, like, take out the trash with love? <laughs> Should you clean your toilets with love? I mean, it, it's that's the thing. It's easy to say stuff like that, but it's like, you know, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it, I think it sounds better on the page or spoken than when you think about it in practice. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm sure 
that's an over a very broad statement that is not so much what you do is that why is this who you are uh-huh. you know be, be a person of love as you do things i don't know it's it's hard to spin that it just sounds good on the page like you say yeah i think this next one is nice you want to read this one winston churchill Mm-hmm. Success, yeah, uh, yeah, number 14, Winston Churchill. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Yeah. Absolutely. Everything, everything changes. And I think that Winston Churchill has a good point. I think success and failure are often two reasons why people lack the courage to continue. You have your biggest success like, uh, um, I don't know. Like you're a band and you release an album, like Nirvana Nevermind, and it's just stratospherically successful. And there is absolutely no way your next album will be as successful as that last one. I think there's a fair amount of fear that comes into, well, let's make this album and hopefully it garners half the success or a quarter of the success of the last one we made, but we should still do it anyway. You know, and that that courage to continue is what counts. Yeah. Uh, And whether it's success or failure, uh, you just keep going. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think courage is just, again, courage is, 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 is within you. It's inside you. And if you look inside you and you're courageous, you're going to keep going whether you're successful or, or, or your failure. And you should just keep going. And you don't do it to be successful. And you don't do it. You don't stop because you're a failure. You do it because that's just who you are. And you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it because, you know, you you will have successes and you will have failures. That's just the law of the jungle. So just keep doing it. So I like that. I like that saying uh, to be courageous because that's what really counts. Yeah. Don't be a coward. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, that's 14. Lucky number 13. I will not follow where the path may lead, but I will go where there is no path and I will leave a trail. Muriel strode yeah i don't know they i no, no, don't know her either i went to a wed- wedding this weekend my buddy and uh, he was an eagle scout and his best man was also an eagle scout and he was telling stories about the speech and one story was about trying to do something and being unprepared and it was super dangerous and he said that's a um that's a metaphor for marriage you know yeah yeah, sort of embark into the great unknown and you have to be prepared for whatever happens, but you'll get through it, you know, if you stick together. And then he told another story about how there was no trail. Oh, they were looking at a map. They were young. And they said, let's just bushwhack. There's an eight-mile hike. Let's just bushwhack two miles straight through as the crow flies. And he said, we came upon nothing but sharp grass and wet rocks, and it was virtually impassable. We got an hour in, but it took us four hours and the sun went down. We had to camp there in the night and we backtracked our way the one mile that we made it in back to the trailhead and he said the lesson from that is trust the people that have gone before you if you look at a map and there's an eight mile trail when you could just walk two miles as the crow flies there's probably a reason that that trail was oriented the way it was and so then he wanted to say um think about the people that you know that have been married and realize that they've gone through a lot of the things that they that you will go through Um, A lot of people go through the same things. And when you experience it for the first time, you think you're the only person that's ever experienced it. But just realize a lot of people have tread this path and 
rely on the ones that you trust to give you advice about what they did, you know, and you don't need to take everyone's word verbatim. And I think a good example of this, why Muriel Stroh is totally wrong, she should be ashamed of herself, is <laughs> look at Democritus. This is, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years BC, and he's dispensing wisdom that we still use today. So right. every like every thought that's ever had, every sentiment, you know, um, Democritus's quotes aren't that different from Mark Twain, who came 1,800 years later. So a lot of the stuff that you need to know to help you with your life, you don't need to come upon it by yourself. You can rely on people that have come before. And I think that's true because um, things that people say are true are timeless because people keep making the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and some things don't change. Some things change, but some things don't change. People don't change. People will keep making the same mistakes. And so we can learn from people who went before us because we will make those same mistakes. And mm -hmm. that's just part of being human. And so a wise man is he who seeks counsel from, from uh, people who have things to offer, from wise people, from wise counsel. Do you think that a lot of these quotes are about avoiding the mistakes that people constantly make? I think the good ones are. Like, let's, let's not have the courage to continue. That's happened to a millions, billions of people. And it's like, no, you got to have the courage to continue. Like... Why haven't you tried that? Why haven't you done that? I'm afraid I'll fail. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at it. Or I, I, I couldn't do it. He says, yes, you can. Uh, just try it. He says, yeah, but I might fail. That's no reason not to try it. Mm -hmm. Give it a shot. See what happens. And I kind of think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think we're, we're speeding up a little bit, right? Yeah, Aristotle. Aristotle's next. So let's go back to the Greek, Aristotle, Greek philosophers, right? Yes. Number 12, Aristotle. Love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies. I have no idea what that means. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Oh, I see. Love is, I see. He's talking about people who love one another. Yeah. Love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies. No. Well, that's, that's. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't know where he got that from. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like, wow, it's kind of like weird. That's, that's weird. And actually, uh, actually inhabiting single soul, you, if, you can't, to me, that, that's, a, that's a, a formula for disaster. Oh, well, I mean, also, the two people, if you really love someone, you let them be themselves. You don't make them in something. And it, you can't be the same as me. Uh, you have to be yourself. Also, is it like marital love? Is it maternal or paternal love? Is it fraternal love? There's a lot of different loves in this world. Um, the love of your friends, the love of your family, the love of your spouse, um, the love of a, a hobby. Man, I really love playing the piano. Does the piano have a soul that I share with it? No. I'm the only one with the soul in this situation, if you believe in the soul. Um, I, I don't like, no, there's no way that this is true. Aristotle's wrong, period. I don't understand why it's number 12. Shouldn't That's even funny. be on the list. I'd like to know what he meant by it and let him explain it, but he's dead. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the, uh, 
the way he says it, love is composed of a single soul. Uh, that's not true either. I mean, a soul uh, doesn't compose love. Uh, does does a single soul between two people? I see what he's trying to say. Uh, I think he could say it better because I think the words, or maybe the because this is in Greek, maybe the translation is is lost in translation on what he was really trying to say. Yeah, maybe he was just trying to say, I'm an idiot that doesn't have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, to, to give him some credit, <laughs> maybe he's trying to say is that when two people love each other, when two people actually love each other, that love can be created by both people and it's and they love each other the same way as as deeply. One loves the other as deeply as the other loves the first one. And that's true love that's composed by those two people. Maybe that's what he was trying to say in a poetic way that it's got this got uh, uh, jumbled in translation. Maybe. But moving trying on. To give some, trying to give him some credit, David. Trying to give him, trying to give uh, Aristotle some credit because uh, he can't defend himself. He's 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 not no longer here. Moving on. Where there is but love, there is life. Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi. Um, I like love. That. Wait, no, what's life? What's life? How do you define life? Um, characteristic that dis distinguishes physical entities that have biological processes. Where there are physical entities that have biological processes, there is life. That's my quote. <laughs> okay. Do you think archaea or bacteria love? Do you think mushrooms uh, and plants love? Do you think insects love? <laughs> You're taking it literal. But they're I alive. Think what, I think what Mahatma Gandhi <laughs> is trying to say is, is that, okay, uh, you can, you can, you really start living and life becomes important and valuable if there's love. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. I think that's kind of what I think that, I don't know. I'm, again, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I think he's trying to say bacteria love each other. <laughs> that fungus loves that fungus. <laughs> oh, David. Okay. Well, here we are. Seneca. One of the most beautiful qualities of true friendship is to understand and to be understood. Yeah, that's that's a feel good, touchy feeling thing too. I, yeah, I like it because it's it's not like friendship is understanding and being understood. He's he's equivocating a little bit. That's that was my problem with some of the other ones. One of the most beautiful qualities of true one of there's a lot of beautiful qualities of true friendship, but this is one of them. It's not where there is love, there is life. It's he's he's doing a little sitting on the fence, and I, I appreciate that. Because the world is not composed of absolutes. Yeah, this is one of them, and it's it's an important one. Uh -huh. That's I see what you're saying, and I agree with you, David. It's like, yeah, this is one thing that's really good to do. That is to understand someone and be understood, and that's that's real friendship. That's part of a really beautiful friendship. Mm -hmm. That that's kind of true. It's kind of true. Now, who who is Lucius Aeneas Seneca? Seneca is a Stoic philosopher, I believe. Let's Again, look. from from Greece. I think Seneca might have been Roman. Roman? Yeah, he's, a, he's a Roman Stoic philosopher. Roman Roman philosopher from Rome. Um, some, some old guy. There he is. Oh wow, 
Yeah, he looks old. He was old even without. He was old two thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, he was born in Spain. He died in sixty-five A.D. So I have uh, the next one is unequivocal, right? Do you want to read it? Number nine, Edmund Burke. Mm -hmm. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So here's the one who said that, Edmund Burke. Yeah. I, I quoted him the other day in class about some things we were talking about. The only thing necessary for the, well, see, yeah, a little bit too uh, unequivocal. The only thing, the only thing necessary for the what, triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. What, if the, the, what if the good men decide to join the evil men because the pay is really good and there's good benefits? Like, they're doing something, and evil will triumph because the good men join them. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I don't like the unequivocal nature, but I think the unequivocal nature of a quote makes it more forceful. Yeah. Like, the only thing you should eat today is bananas and raspberries. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm jazzed by that. And it's like, that that gives you more, like, that gives ras bananas and raspberries more oomph than if I was to say, you might want to consider maybe eating bananas and raspberries today you know i think people like to be told what to think that's where these quotes come in being so unequivocal well i think another perspective of that saying though is what is good and what is evil mm -hmm. you know it's just in other words evil to one person is good for another person because he's talking about good men yeah so it's it's kind of like I'm throwing this out there, and then uh, uh, people can take these kinds of sayings and use them in different in different scenarios, uh, in different contexts, and it can mean different things. Mm -hmm. It can mean it could mean something for one side, which you would consider good. It could mean the same thing for another side, which you would consider evil. But the evil side considers them good and you evil. Yeah. Like we watched the Vice News report where she was embedded with the Taliban and she was telling him about how their justice system defied international laws. And like he's like, yeah, that's because international laws are bad and having Sharia law based upon the Quran is good. Like, of course, it defies international laws. Your laws are wrong. Ours are right. And it's, it's fascinating when it's like, no, but don't you see that? Me growing up in um, the West and sort of having rule of law, um, traditional Western values like instilled in me, I cannot abide you cutting off someone's hand because they stole. And they're like, I can't abide, you know, having a murderer go to court and being found innocent because evidence was mishandled. You know, they, they, they could, you could what if, you could both sides it. Um, so I have a question, David. Yes. And I'm going to I'm going to pose this in the form of a question. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that the Taliban sees this and says justification for why they're in charge in Afghanistan now? Yes. Like a quote like this, they would say, we worked for 20 years behind the scenes to maintain the level of resources and engagement available so that the second the U.S. left, we could triumph. When the evil left, we triumphed. That's what, that could be, they that's, could what they, that. that's what they would say. You're not saying that. that no, no, I'm saying, do you think <laughs> they would say this? 
We're playing I'm a hypothetical saying, thought experiment. Everyone's the yeah. good guy in their own stories. Everyone's the good guy in their, that's a good way to say it too. Everyone's a good guy in their own stories. And anyone not in your story is the evil. Mm -hmm. So, you know, got to be careful with some of these things. But uh, what does the saying engender in someone? And that is, try to be don't good. Sit, don't sit by and let what you see as evil triumph when you don't do nothing. Yeah. And you try to do something about it. Yeah. Maybe, you know, these people getting in fistfights at school board meetings because they just want the children to wear a mask. Maybe they see themselves as the good guy. They say someone needs to go to these school board meetings and punch out some of these civil servants or else evil will prevail. And what evil is, is making kids wear a mask. You know, in their heads, they've convinced themselves they're the good guy. So are we really, again, another question. So all these sayings, they're, they're, the value of these sayings is from a perspective in a relative sense, not in an absolute sense. It's not true across the board. It's true in a relative sense, depending on a person's perspective and where they sit and where they stand. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, that's a rhetorical question. Yes. And we're not Taliban sympathizers. We're playing no, a thought we're experiment. We're, we're doing a hypothetical. If you were sitting somewhere else, would you believe that this quote applies to you and the bad guy is the person who thinks that you're the bad guy? And the answer is yes. You all, you're the good guy in your story. Speaking of the Taliban, you say, okay, well... If that's how if that's how they think, then the only way to change that, it, the question is, the only way to change that, would it be come in and educate the people with Western education? Yeah, well, we did it for 20 years. So how long did that stick? Six weeks? Well, there's some people still still <laughs> over there uh, picketing and demonstrating, too. But my, my point is, uh, is not about Afghanistan yeah. or America or... Vietnam or, or Germany in World War II. It's not about that. It's about these sayings, a lot of them are relative. They're not absolute. Yeah. And so you have to be really careful uh, how you throw these sayings around and use these sayings uh, because someone can use them against you because they might see a whole different, they're in a different place, they're in a different arena, or they're in a different perspective, and they'll use it differently. So you got to be careful. Okay, let's do the last eight pretty quick because we're getting long. Number okay, eight, sorry. do not dwell in the past. Do not dream of the future. Concentrate the mind on the present moment. The Buddha. Wow. What do you think of that? I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. You know, remember, remember, I would say remember the past. Uh, dream of the future, but live for today. Ugh. He's saying, so, "Do not dwell. Do not dwell of the past. Dwell in the past. Well, dwell in the past. I agree with that. Don't live in the past. Yeah, but remember it. Uh, and I would say, you know, dream of the future. Don't spend all your time dreaming. You know, consider the future. What what your dreams are. Uh, you know, you do have dreams for the future, but then, uh, yeah, concentrate on the present moment. No, just live for today." Enjoy today because tomorrow may not come. Mm -hmm. And your past will help you enjoy today because of your experiences. Number seven. Number seven. Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. Robert Louis Stevenson. Okay. okay. That's fine. I, 
Yeah, it's good enough. I disagree with that, too. I think both are important. They're both part of the you work. Put, yeah, it's, it's all part of the work. It's the beginning and the end of the work. He says, yeah, yeah, I started it, but I'm not finishing it. Yeah. Uh, I plant all the seeds, but I'm not harvesting anything. So, no, no, no. You got to do both. You really got to do both. That's number seven. What about six? Well, Andrew I, I, I just want to tell her a real quick story. My neighbor, he had a roommate. And uh, his roommate would do date night with his girlfriend over at my neighbor's house. And, you know, he'd come over to my house. My, my neighbor would come over and smoke a cigarette. He's like, yeah, my roommate had date night again. He's like, why are you so upset? And he's like, he'll cook his girlfriend dinner. And he'll use... Every pot and pan and dish and silverware piece and slotted spoon and unslotted spoon and colander and ladle and knife in the whole kitchen. And then you leave them just sitting there on the counter. Like, I don't know how you can make something and use that much stuff. But then they have dinner and then they go out and he just leaves everything sitting there. And then for the next three or four days, he doesn't clean it up. And that's sort of like... That's sort of like don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. Well, if you have crops that are finished, you got to go reap those crops yeah. so that you can plant some new ones. You can't cook in your kitchen unless you clean it up after you're done. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what Robert Louis Stevenson is talking about. Here. He's, he's an idiot. Okay. Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> Nothing is impossible. The word itself says I'm possible. Oh, uh... That's clever. Yeah, impossible starts with I am, mm -hmm. and then it has possible at the end of it. And so she's separating these words. It's kind of like, you know, uh, the, the, yeah, that's clever. Yeah. That's like uh, if I go to the horse track and there's a 200 to 1 shot, I say nothing is improbable. The world itself says I'm probable. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Number Joseph five. Campbell. Joseph Campbell, find a place inside where where there's joy and the joy will burn out the pain. Wow. wow. Find a place inside where there's joy and the joy will burn out the pain. That's very, uh, a lot of imagery there. Yeah. I'm not really, yeah. Joseph Campbell. I'm sure he's talking about something very specific. Yeah. Like he loves gardening <laughs> and deep within his soul. And he's troubled all other times except for when he's out in his garden planting stuff. Something like that. Yeah. Again, the context is is everything here. Maya Number Angelou four. said, try to be a rainbow in someone's cloud. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, but I like that. That's really good. Something mm -hmm. positive and beautiful uh, in someone else's. And cloud, there's a lot of imagery here, too. Rainbow is happy. Cloud is sad. Yeah. And so... Try to be happy in someone else's sadness. And uh, you could say it that way. Yeah. To try to be a source of happiness in someone's sadness. Now, if the cloud was a person and the rainbow was a person, would the cloud say, try to be a cloud in someone's rainbow? <laughs> we're not bad just because we're a cloud. We're the, we're the ones that bring moisture. What does a rainbow do? It doesn't do shit. <laughs> a rainbow just looks it, pretty. It doesn't It doesn't water your crops. It doesn't. It's just a reflection. It it's just a reflection. It doesn't fill a your cloud. reservoirs. No, a cloud actually generates something. A cloud just reflects. Uh huh. It's a reflection. It doesn't do it. Yeah, we could we can <laughs> take the take the imagery uh, to the. Yeah, I don't think that's what she meant at all. Okay, Aristotle Onassis. What did he say? Well, I think he said 
It is during <laughs> our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. Okay. okay. I I think that there's some wisdom in there. I think that people make a lot of mistakes in dark moments because they're they lose focus. So yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, they get overwhelmed. Are they, oh, this is dark. They, they never see the light because they get overwhelmed. And well, uh, it'll never get better. It'll never get better. Yeah, it can get better. Or they'll fly off at the handle and like smash something, you know, or whatever. You know, like in moments of rage and, and darkness, they'll ruin everything. Whereas if they just took a moment and focused to see the light, you know, their life wouldn't have been as bad. Yeah. Moving on. Number two, keep loving your heart. A life without it is like a sunless garden when the flowers are dead. Oscar Wilde. Wow. Again, imagery. And love, too. Lots of love, jibber-jabber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you tell them, David. A lot of love, jibber-jabber. Keep love in your heart. A life without it is like uh, a sunless garden when the flowers are dead. Wow, that's dismal. Oscar Wilde. So yeah, he, uh, you know. But then again, but then again, the other saying before, where you don't find love, life love finds you. And mm -hmm. so, if you have a sunless garden when flowers are dead, that means love hasn't found you, and it's love's fault. It's love's it's fault. Your, yeah, it's not your fault because it hasn't found you because you don't find love. Love finds you. Also, though, I believe like Oscar Wilde <laughs> uh, wrote romantic poems. So, I mean, he was bullish on love because it would really help his career. Okay. You know, like if you're a Hallmark, uh, if you're a Hallmark executive that makes movies, you're bullish on romance because it will help your career. If people stop yeah. believing in romance, they'll stop watching Hallmark movies because all of them are romances. Um, final quote, number one of all time. Number one, the top one, no, they say the top one, but the 100 quotes, David, uh, the number one with Helen Keller, what does it say? The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. Wow. Now, see, now that has a lot of impact because Helen Keller said it. Mm -hmm. and, she, and she was blind and deaf. Yeah, so she couldn't see anything. So how, what would she know about things that could be seen? But she could touch stuff. That was the only way she could really communicate with the world. And felt with the heart. So I guess what she's saying is we should all go out and eat cheeseburgers. <laughs> right? No, I, don't, I don't think that's what she's saying. We all should get a bacon cheeseburger for lunch today because the best things in the world must be felt with the heart. Okay. Well, I like food. <laughs> I like I like cookies. I like cookies. <laughs> we should all eat. No, I think she's saying. Go out and get chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> the things that you feel <laughs> in your soul, in your heart or whatever, are more important than the things that exist out in the world. Well, are more beautiful. More beautiful. Are, are, but are she's best, also saying best. The best and most beautiful is when you feel things with your heart. And I, I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. I think, think that's good because, yeah. Uh, when you feel them with your heart, there, there's where the beauty comes in. So, like the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think the beauty is is when you can feel things with your heart, because then it becomes uh, something special. 
We've done all 100, David. We did it. It took us four hours, roughly, but we've covered the top 100 quotes of all time. Shout out to BrainyQuote.com for providing the uh, substance for our last four episodes. This has been the Sons of Sequoia podcast. We are available on YouTube.com and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you in the next one, but is there anything that you would like to say before we close today's episode? Sons of Sequoia, you know, we talk a lot, we share a lot of things, but we want to urge everyone to keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying.